Hi everyone, and welcome to Business Legal Lifecycle TV. It's uh, Fast Fix Monday here at the show, and as always, uh, I'm here, Craig Mason. I'm with me, Jeremy Stratton. Say hello, everyone, please, Jeremy. Hi everyone. Hope you're having an awesome Monday. Absolutely. So today we're talking about uh, the difference between an enduring power of attorney and that advanced health directive. Uh, so you would have probably heard these uh, terms uh, before. Uh, at the moment on the show, we're, we're, we're talking about estate planning, succession planning, those sorts of things. And these two uh, documents fall into that uh, category. They're important uh, to have, uh, important to think about. Uh, whenever you are talking to a lawyer or your consultant about a will, uh, you're probably also going to be talking about enduring powers of attorney and advanced health directives. So the first thing we want to talk about is enduring powers of attorney. So that's, as the uh, title says, that endures, and that endures your loss of capacity. So what it means is you can appoint a attorney to make decisions on your behalf. And there's two types of decisions they make in an enduring power of attorney. There are financial decisions, so that could be uh, selling a house, investing in the stock market, uh, talking to uh, a service provider, those sort of financial type decisions. And there's also personal and health decisions. So that could be, uh, from a health point of view, uh, turning off a, a life support system, uh, withholding a blood transfusion. Uh, from a personal point of view, it could be what nursing home you're going to be living in, those sorts of things. And those personal and health uh, decisions can only be made if you have lost capacity for obvious reasons. Uh, with financial, uh, you can pick when you want those decisions to be made. So it could be when you lose capacity, it could be on a particular date uh, or on a particular occasion. So it's important to think about those sorts of things. There's two types of decisions. Uh, in order to appoint someone, you obviously have to have capacity uh, and you can appoint someone that's over the age of 18. They can't be a paid healthcare provider uh, for you, uh, but the, most of the time it's you know your spouse or your adult children, brothers and sisters, those sorts of people you'd be appointing as your attorney. Pretty big uh, role, obviously, uh, particularly the personal and health decisions. So you want to put some thought into who it is that you're appointing and you can have more than one person uh, or you could have, uh, say you had two, you could have one makes the decisions first. If something happened to that person or was unable, you could have that second person uh, make those decisions. So plenty of things to think about uh, and to consider. As I said, important document, uh, make sure you get it right uh, and talk to your family members and whoever else you're going to appoint. So that's an enduring uh, power of attorney. Jeremy, do you want to touch on advanced health directives? Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Frank. That's a good summary of a power of attorney. So an advanced health directive, it's a separate document and it basically sets out what your wishes are to happen to you if certain diseases or conditions um if you, if you fall, you know, have certain diseases or conditions and basically it tells the doctors whether or not you want to be resuscitated or not resuscitated. It's a pretty comprehensive document. It goes through a lot of decisions. Craig, do you remember how many, how many different um, ones there are in that? Oh, that. Yeah, no, there's a heap of, heap of different questions that uh, I 
Yeah, yeah, it's like a hundred or something different yeah. conditions, and you've got to say whether or not you want to re- be resuscitated or, or or do not resuscitate, and you've got to sit down and fill it out with a doctor. So a doctor's got to go through and explain to you what each of those conditions means, and so that you can make a decision about where you want to, or what do you want to happen to yourself. It's a a, a binding document, uh, and it basically tells the doctors what you want to happen, uh, and it can also. Uh, be there you know, for the case where you don't want your family members making that decision or you don't want to uh, leave them to be put in the stress of making that decision. So uh, it's a pretty important document. It's one that you need to get um, advice on from your doctor uh, and go through each question and then they'll they'll um, help you to fill it out and they've actually got to sign it uh, as well. So advanced health directives, it's not for everyone. A lot of people don't like thinking about those things, but it's the kind of document that if you want to have get it done right, there's a, in Queensland where we are, there's an improved form and I believe there are for other states as well. Uh, so get get in and do that if you want to have a, have a look at it. Maybe have a look at it first and then decide whether or not you want to do it. So, Craig, I think that's it for the Advanced Health Directive. Yeah, absolutely. So, just to finish up for today, I just wanted to touch on when you might use each of these uh, types of documents. We've kind of touched on it as we've explained it. So, with an Advanced Health Directive, when you, um, it's not for everyone, as Jeremy said, a lot of people uh, don't uh, do it. But if you're going to be admitted uh, into hospital, for instance, then you should be looking at that. If you've got a medical condition that's uh, potentially going to affect how you make decisions go forward, then definitely look at an advanced health directive. Uh, so when it's going to be uh, in use is obviously you're facing a medical condition uh, and you're unable to communicate uh, with the doctors. Uh, so the advanced health directive will then be in play and they'll be following that. You, as Jeremy said, you've gone to the doctor they've explained various medical conditions and uh, ramifications of that and you've said yes, no, uh, or whatever. So they then follow follow that. Uh, and it's, it um, sort of takes it out of the hands of the uh, attorney if you had an attorney appointed as well. So they follow the Advanced Health Directive and uh, things will happen from a medical point of view. So, again, mm-hmm. make sure you've thought about everything uh, because uh, the document's going to be there and it's going to uh, potentially, uh, uh, well, not potentially, it will apply. And if you can't make decisions anymore, then that's what your last direction uh, was in your Advanced Health Directive. So... Uh, pretty important. So with uh, uh, enduring power of attorney, so depending on how you've got the document structured for health and personal, as I said, you would have had to have lost capacity. So a medical practitioner has said you've lost capacity, you're unable, unable to make decisions anymore. Your attorneys can now make those personal and health decisions. So that could be what nursing home you're going to be living in, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. For a financial power of attorney, uh, so you may have said immediately for financial. So that person that you've appointed can now make, if you said immediately, make financial decisions on your behalf. So for obvious reasons, you don't want that to be, you know, someone that you don't trust or anything like that. Uh, it's got to be someone that um, you can rely on that's going to make decisions in your best interests, obviously. So that's the whole point of the power of attorney. They can't be making decisions for themselves. It's for, for you. They need to keep records of any financial decisions or any financial transactions that they enter into. Uh, so that's when it could uh, come into play for financial decisions. And again, if you've picked uh, on loss of capacity, you're in hospital, you're in a nursing home, things are still going on in the outside world. Financial decisions may need to be made, things might need to be sold, etc., etc. So that's when the attorney can um, start making those financial decisions if you've ticked that box 
in order to uh, finish everything up. If you pass away, your power of attorney is automatically revoked. Mm-hmm. So that's an important thing to think about that that's when your will then kicks in, your executors uh, now need to be making decisions. So important to know that the power of attorney ceases upon uh, you passing away. And again, if one of your attorneys passed away, then you'd have to do a, a new uh, power of attorney as well. So that covers when you might use each of those documents. Jeremy, do you have anything you wanted to add? No, I think that covers everything. And um, hopefully if people have got questions, they can let us know. And we'd be happy to help them out. Absolutely. So the show notes uh, will be available on the website. This was show number 205. Uh, so jump on the website. Uh, and go to the show notes. Uh, as we said at the beginning, important documents encourage everyone to look at these things. It's not the uh, the greatest thing to think about, but uh, having it in place definitely gives you peace of mind that if something was to happen to you, that you've got the right people in the right seats. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, any questions or any comments you'd like to make, please get in touch with us. But uh, I think that's it for us. We'll be back next time. See you next week.